On this episode, the lightning strikes twice, Clark gets to be normal, the father pimps out his daughter, and it's a car apocalypse. This episode is Leech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Smallville Chronicles. I'm Lou Gonzalez, and with me, as always, is Alan Mura. Man, this was a great episode. This episode was all over the place, but the number one thing was sweet music and awesome trench coats. Yeah, I kind of got a Columbine feeling from uh, Sean Ashmore. It was just weird, that and his necklace, it was like this kind of barbed wire-esque thing. Like, it was so 90s, like... It was so 90s rebel. Yeah, like, rebel, like, pop-punk. Like, he was, like, a combo. He, without the, the trench coat, he was very much, like, a dirt bikey kid. Like, um, how was it when Brandon that time, uh, like, box racing or something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah, with his, like, he's just, like, everything about him spoke, like, some 41. Yes. Like, and, and, and that, <laughs> that actually got me, uh, thinking about the MVP baseball series, because... Some forty one the song all messed up was used in the first one in their yeah. first game. And man, that just brought, that just flooded back so many good memories. It was just ridiculous. And then the jacket was just like I guess it was a way to get around the cape thing because it was so obviously meant to be like a cape, but also to show that he's like broody. And he got called Superboy. Yeah, that was interesting. Because that has like a bunch of things that happened in, like, two lines right there. Because Chloe mentions, like, that is her first, which I guess is one of the subplots of this thing, is that it's Chloe's first byline in the, like, the town paper. So not even the high school one. They actually let her write a story for the town paper, even though she's a freshman in high school, so. And I'm pretty sure that you can't do that now. Um, I'm sure... No, no, I mean something that, that level. Oh, no, like, in... Well, one, those newspapers don't exist either. But, yeah. but yeah, like, there's... Also, there's, the character of Chloe from two, going from 2001 to now, it would have been on just a Tumblr or a Facebook blog. Oh, my God, yeah, you couldn't do her. She would be like a... Um, Conspiracy yeah, she, nut? Yeah, she would be on YouTube. She would have a, uh, like, a vlog and be, like, yes. really pretentious about it. She'd be, like, a Twitch streamer. But instead of streaming games, she just streams the wall of weird. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, she's still more useful than Iris. <laughs> Alright, but uh, I guess we can start by getting into this plot, which just has a lot of bad parenting in this episode as well. Well, no, they show, they do, hmm, what's the word? They do, like, or they do parallels. Oh, yeah, exactly. Between the Kents and... Summers. Yeah, which I, I love that. Is it spelled like, do they spell it like the, uh... Like Cyclops? Yeah, like... It's spelled like the month for the next. Uh, that would have just been a jab at Marvel. I think. I don't know. Do they spell it different for Cyclops? Oh, we know. They do spell it the same way. Yeah, because that's what... Every time they said it, I was like, this is going to be like a thing, because why else? Yeah, it's spelled the same way. And this was a year after X-Men. Or no, two, a year and a half after X-Men. Yeah, so it's definitely like a nod, because he was in X-Men, even though he's in it for five seconds. He yeah. has, like, two scenes, I think, in that movie, which we're talking about the Freak of the Week. Sean and, Ashmore. Yes. Whose twin brother later on becomes Jimmy Olsen number one. And Jimmy Olsen number two. Yes. God, that's so stupid, and I love it. Oh, my God, I just saw it. They, I didn't realize that they actually played a Sun 41 song in this episode. 
I must have missed when that was. Because the only one I remembered was... Was that when he was carrying that gigantic balloon box? It must have been. Because the only song I remembered, like, actually hearing was the first one, which was the Stain song, and I was like, oh, shit, like, early 2000s, so emo. Like, they were, like, the king emo band. Yeah, they're... I'm not allowed to bring up Stained on Phantom Zone. <laughs> Why? I'm not allowed to bring up Stain, Evanescence, because... So, like, all the emo bands of the early 2000s? Yeah, because WWE used them for a bunch of pay-per-views. Oh, my God, yes, and, they did. And Connor... <laughs> Connor is anti-wrestling now. Oh, well, it's complete trash. Yeah. All right, so we can actually get into the plot of this episode. Um, it's a pretty simple episode. Basically, our Freak of the Week, Eric Summers, his dad is the science teacher of this high school, and they're on a geology field trip, and they're looking for rocks. He obviously, Eric finds a meter rock, which is on their list. Eric's dad is a complete dick after Eric kind of hits on that girl. Who has a boyfriend. Who has a boyfriend who's on the football team, I'm assuming. He's a jock. He's, you know, jock number 12 that we met this season. I think this character, not this, not this character, but this actor reappears in season, around the time Lois shows up. I, I think he's the character that was, uh, the, the episode with Jeff Johns. Not to be confused with comics Jeff Johns, but quote unquote Jeff Johns. It's the episode where Clark is being scouted and he goes to Met You. I'm trying, yeah, I'm looking up. So the character's name is Brent, and I don't see a... He was played by Will Anderson, or Will Sanderson, but I don't see any other things that Will did in this show. I'll check another site. If it's not him, then he has a twin. He hasn't been... He has a clone out there. Yep, no, this is the only episode he was in of this show. Interesting. Otherwise, his next biggest claim to fame is he's the voice of a character in the Hot Wheels games. Oh, that's so, that's so, oh man. If I was him, I'd just retire. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just trash. But basically, Brent kind of tells Eric to piss off, and then instead of backing him, we find out that the teacher is Eric's dad, who is a even bigger dick to him. Yeah, he's a uh, Stargate SG-1 alum. Okay, I didn't. I definitely he's one of those like character. character actor guys that's like in everything, but he's not big enough to know his name. Like at least for me. Um, but everybody gets back on the bus. Said Eric's not there, and his dad's like a little bitch about it. So Clark, being Clark, decides to go find him. This is where we get the most emo scene on television of all time, which is Eric standing on the edge of a bridge with headphones on, which no, no. is. He's not standing on the bridge, he's standing on the railing. Yeah, he's standing on the railing. My favorite part was he had the very early 2000s headphones that went around your ear, that went across the back of your neck. That yeah. was like a new thing in that time period. Yeah, and this is where I, he's I, had some, I had one of those. Uh, yeah, so did I. And this is where he's listening to Stained. Probably, if this is 01, still on a CD player. Yeah, they show a CD player. Okay, yeah, because this would be way, this would be like really close to when, not iPods, but like MP3 players were hitting. I'm trying to remember because I'm like the exact age of the characters here. I think the first MP3 players I saw someone with was like when I was like a sophomore, and it was a big goddamn deal. So they could have a you know a couple hundred songs. I think like a hundred songs on one thing instead of like the twelve on a CD. Yeah, I remember the local FYE, which went out of business like a few years later. They had a uh, whole wall of off-brand. MP3 players, 
every single one I bought always crapped out. Yep, I remember having ones that were like really small in the size of like either they took like one AA battery or two, and they were like kind of just a little bit bigger than that. Like they did all sorts of different stuff. This is like pre iPod. Yeah, they also I also used it to uh, do the most early '90s thing, which was using the microphone or the built-in microphone to just record songs from the radio. <laughs> Making mixtapes? Oh no, I didn't make mixtapes. I just, I just. Or no, I didn't. I won't do that. I would, I would try and record full baseball, full full length baseball games. Never made it. <laughs> this is funny. Yeah, it always died halfway through. All right, so back to where we're seeing uh, Eric listening to Stains standing up on the bridge. Clark grabs him, but Eric is holding. He's been chucking rocks off, and of course, he's holding a meteor rock. Yeah, and lightning, lightning strikes. And it actually strikes them twice, I believe. So well, maybe well, it's, uh, it actually strikes... Yeah, well, no, it does strike twice. Strikes right next to him, which causes him to lose his start, balance and start... start Like, leaning over where he's about to fall? Yeah, Clark grabs him. Or no, he grabs his bag. And Lightning strikes Clark's heart. And since Sean Ashmore is holding a meteor rock, you get this nice effect of Clark's powers, which apparently are, are is just kryptonite. And it it's just a Freaky Friday, or no, a Freaky Friday power swap. Yeah. Where instead of getting, instead of switching bodies, they just switch abilities. And, yeah. and Clark goes to try to put the fire out on Sean Ashmore, gets burned, and he's, he's just dumbfounded. Yeah, sorry, my dog was just, like, going nuts for some reason. I was just, like, waiting him out. Could be worse. Yep. Um, Could have been when the DC fanboys were... Oh, attacking Eric's house? Attack, no, they were attacking us while we were recording. <laughs> God, they will not let it... They, they were just joking. I mean, they don't know how to take jokes. And it's like, right. I'm on your side. I like Smallville. <laughs> but, you know, like, I enjoyed I, Arrow Season 3. I think the next scene we get is Clark trying to help Jonathan, and this is when he realizes that he has no powers. So he first tries to lift the truck, then he misses the bus like we see in the first episode, but he doesn't have speed. Yeah, he tries lifting it, falls back, then no then Jonathan tell, notices that Clark's nose is bleeding. And at first they're worried or they think it's just another metamorphosis, like is that, like, as Martha says, is that his X-ray vision? Yeah, which would make sense, like, in the way the show works. Like, I completely understand. Yeah, they... they I, don't, has, I don't think this has ever happened in the comics. Like, like this the power swap thing? Well, I, I think it, that has happened in the comics. But no, I'm talking about the way, the way they did it in this episode. No, where there's, like, a kind of outside but, element. Interfering. Yeah. Um, not, not anything where it wasn't planned. Like, I feel like anytime they do that, it's someone's, like, nefarious plot to steal Clark's powers. But I think they do this on TV stuff, like, all the time. Like, we've seen it on Flash. Um, they actually do it again, and they do it twice more, uh, at least in the show. Because they do it with Lana, and they do it, um, later on in another with, episode. Uh, Lois. Yeah, I think they, they do it all the time. It's like a... Fun fact! Super that episode is... The introduction of the Legion of Doom with 
Solomon Grundy, Captain Cold, and Solomon Grundy looks better on looked better on that in that episode than he do, than he does on the entire his entire appearances on Gotham. I didn't even know that they did him in Gotham. Yeah, they they turned like, they turned Butch into Solomon Grundy. Oh my god! I only watched season one of it and it was so bad, so I stopped. But I do know they were, I do remember they did. A sort of Solomon Grundy. They called him Cyrus Cole. Oh, like Arrow know. season two. Arrow, yeah, Arrow season two. Yeah, with the Mercury. Yeah. God, Arrow season two is like. It's still not like Arrow season two is good, but that's still like when they get into anything that's like super naturally, it's stupid. Well, the only person that can make that work is Matt Ryan. Well, yeah, bro. That's like straight actual magic. Yeah. All right, so. While we see Clark depowered, we see him in gym class. Oh, we see, uh, I'm sorry. We see Eric at home, and his father is again being shitty and keeps saying sorry. His father goes to, like, backhand him across the back of his head. Like, he, goes, he like, winds up for a real shot, and Eric catches him. And his father's like, how'd you do that? And he says, you're the scientist, figure it out. Yeah, and he he just, he just freaked out and, like, you're going to get a ride from your mother. And just gets the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, it was definitely very interesting. And then we see after gym class, Clark is all sweaty and like, Pete's like, oh man, you usually don't break a sweat and blah blah. And then Clark's like, oh man, this pain in my leg. And he's like, it's a cramp, walk it off. Yeah. But this leads us to Eric is in the weight room. And Clark, Clark goes to talk to him and he, he, Eric lies about how he, he, Clark asks him if he's okay. And everything, Eric nonchalantly says, yeah, and and just tries to get Clark away, or tries to shoo him away. And he starts lifting, what, 400? 600, 600 no, it says 600 pounds. pounds. I made a note of it because, um, if you didn't know it, there is no way any bench machine, or any machine probably, would ever go up to 600 pounds. Maybe like a deadlift machine, but like, I don't think, like, I kind of want to Google the world record for benching. I guarantee you it is not. It's probably not even, like, 500 pounds. So, like, I looked at that and I was like, why does this high school in Kansas have a bench that goes so far? Steroids! But it was, like, it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it's nice to get some goofs in. But it's, like, another, it's one of those things, especially in this episode, where there were things that were there because it's a TV show that were absolutely uh, hilarious. Such as? Oh, what we'll we see in a couple of seconds. Um, basically, when the... Uh, the next time we see Eric, uh, he's like standing eyeballing the girl. I don't, I never call her name. Just, and just, that, I don't think they actually give her a name. She's just, girl of his dreams. She's Dent's just, girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like eyeballing her and then Chloe and Pete are walking and then random mugger in the town of Smallville out of nowhere steals Chloe's purse and he super speeds over, uh, Tells him to stop. The guy goes to stab him with a giant knife, which is, you get that awesome knife effect, the shattering yeah, effect. Yeah, he tries to stab him in the hand, or in the palm. And then he chucks him across the street, where there happens to be a truck carrying plate glass, and goes right through it. That's what I meant by, like, the funny things for a TV show. Like, why is there a truck carrying plate glass right there? Who ordered it? But I guess this is a town where a lot of people's windows get blown out, because people keep getting thrown through them. Yeah. 
Like, if you're a car dealer in this town or you sell plate glass windows, you are making bank in Smallville. And, well, and to add more, Derek, Chloe, and Pete are talking about Clark, and Pete says that after, when they got to math class, Clark just fell into a coma. Just hey. noticing, or just talking about how, like, he's still doing his chores, he can't, he can't make it. And Pete said something along the lines of, yeah, he faced, absolutely face planted in, uh, during the math test or something. Yeah, because we get a bunch of that, because Clark, I think at some point on the farm, Jonathan asks him how he's doing, and he's like, doing pretty good for it taking me two hours to do chores that used to take me five minutes. Yeah, and there's a nice, I, there's a nice line where he's, where he asks Jonathan how he, how he does it. Like, how how does he do all these things? How has he done it for all these years? Oh, yeah, and he says, uh, years of practice. Yeah, it's sort of, it sort of reminded me of that, that episode of Supergirl, season one, where Kara is wondering, how, how does Cat Grant make, do, do all these things? Like, how does she, ma how does she manage work, personal life, appearances? Yeah, at this point, this show is Smallville is a way better show than Supergirl. Sorry, Supergirl. Oh uh, yeah, well, Supergirl season one was very good, and yeah. then it just fell off the table because because they tr they they took the one thing that was special from it, having a female be a, be the hero, and adding in all these adding Monel. Vigilante, uh, uh, a vigilante, and or making J Jimmy Olsen a vigilante. Yeah, well, the the other thing is they also made it so that they basically eliminated the interesting part, which is probably the most interesting part in this show too, is that they got rid of Kara and they focus only on Supergirl. While Smallville, there is no Superman. You see his powers, you know, a couple of times an episode, but it's all about Clark, and that's what really made that show interesting, especially in season one, was seeing Kara the person deal with having an alter ego now that... Excuse me. Her name is pronounced Kira. <laughs> but that was also a big thing that they lost when the, they lost close to Blackheart. That show completely changed. Yeah. And I think they've even said that um, for next season that they're like not even going to be at Kako anymore. <laughs> so that entire thing is gone. That, that show's going to get cancelled. It's so bad. Like, it sucks because Melissa Benoist is great, but like it's... She is great on... It's sort of like the... It's sort of like the crossover effect where all the actors on a single, like, when they do the crossovers, they're so much better. For example, Flash and the crossover, like the Flash characters in the crossover and the Crisis on Earth X. And the Supergirl characters in the Crisis on Earth X. And last season, the uh, duet of, of crossover between Flash and Supergirl. Oh, yeah, the musical episode was great. Uh, it'll be interesting they set up, in case you didn't know, kind of like a Red Sun thing going forward. Yeah. But they I, also I, dealt I, with time travel, which is always... Yeah, yeah I I saw the video... T I saw a video titled Supergirl Finale Savitar, and I was like, what? And I I, I actually thought they were going to do... They were going to have a Sav have Savitar beyond a villain for Supergirl. Okay, as opposed to, like, I guess somebody was trying to make a joke that it's, like, their own version of Savitar. Yeah, and I got, I was very disappointed. 
Well, we long for the days of Savitar and Flash. No, I long for the days of Zoom. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that's how bad that show got, too. But even Savitar is better than his past. God, now... This is funny how we're, like, going off on these CW shows and not talking about this episode. But, uh, I think that's because, like, this episode's pretty good, so there's not lots of critique in it. But it's also a very simple plot episode. Yeah, and we get a lot more of the... It's not like uh, last week. There, There's actually development and stuff in this episode. Yeah, there's a and, lot of... And world building. Yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing and world building, which is kind of like where we are in this... At this point in this episode, there's where we get, like, all of our B-plots. We so also we get, get returns from Roger Nixon, Lionel. Yep, so the first one, like you said, is where Roger Nixon returns with, like, a really bad CGI video of what, what the experts that he's gathered think happened in the accident, which is exactly what happened, which is Lex hitting Clark at 60 miles an hour and going over the bridge. Uh, we also get the meeting between, somewhere in here between Lex, Victoria, and Victoria's father. Sir Harry. Sir Harry, where they're late, and then they basically screw over Lex by buying out Cadmus Labs, which we saw two or three episodes ago. Uh, no, it was... It was like the second Victoria. It was the one where the kid could be invisible. Yeah, that episode where she... Her Caesar on the laptop. Yeah, and I, I don't understand why she didn't... I'm, I'm just wondering why she didn't say anything like, get out of here, or get out of here, peasant. <laughs> I think because, to me, that even then, like, she know that she got caught, and to make it seem as nonchalant as possible, so maybe Clark wouldn't bring it up. Yeah. Um, but that, this is the conclusion of basically the Victoria plotline. Um, it's only, I think it's like two scenes in this episode, really? Yeah, there's two meetings so been... on, in the same room. Yeah, it's like somewhere like in the Luther Court, I'm guessing in Metropolis. So the first one is Harry and Victoria reveal that she was just there as a corporate spy. Or she was trying to make, a, make things good. She was trying to better her relationship with her father. Yes. Which, Device which buying is, all Lex. And Lex was doing a similar thing with Lionel, but he, with Victoria and Sir Harry, it's more of a uh, family thing. With Lex and Lionel, it's more of a chess game. Yes. You could say in the, the second one, you get revealed that Lex set everything up knowing that this was all the case. And and, and how Cadmus was... Is, is worthless. Yeah. And, and basically tank their stock, and then the Luthers are going to buy their company out. Yeah, because Sir Harry mentioned that with all... And, or Lex said that with all the patents that Cadmus will, will, would put out, it would give... Sir Harry enough money to buy out Luthercorp outright. I did think it was interesting in the very, of this time, like the conversation Lex has with Victoria, because he basically calls her out on all her bullshitting, like, this is what I made, like, in the beginning, like, with pimping out his daughter. So basically, Sir Harry pimps out his daughter, because Lex even says, like, she's like, it was business, how could you just do this? And he's like, sleeping with me was business? What does that make you? And she slaps him, but he's correct. Well, no, I think what, didn't he say didn't he say work instead of business? I don't, I don't remember exactly his phrases. There was, some, he, there was some indication of prostitution. Oh, it was she, here it is. It, uh, she says it was just business and he responds he calls sleeping with me business. I'd hate to think what that makes you. Yeah. 
Gee, I wonder, like, I wonder what she's up to now. Yeah, like, like he's not wrong. Like, yeah. she basically had sex with him. Because if this was her whole plan, their whole plan, her father, I guess either to, maybe it's not on her father, but, like, she had sex with Lex to get close to him, to steal stuff to then give to her father, and she never cared about him, so then it was sort of transactional. But then it gets to the whole weirdness at the end, which I really don't get. Let's wait for it. Let's yeah. wait till the, till the until we get closer to the end to talk about that. Because yeah. that would, that was just creepy. Yeah. So our other couple of little subplots that are all kind of mixed in here is you know we already talked about the Chloe byline in the Smallville paper. Uh, what about uh Lana and Nell? Yes. In the movie theater. Yeah. So we get um. Lana, now Aunt Nell, Lana's aunt, is selling the flower shop in the movie theater, which is a weird thing that she also owns. Yeah, because there's really no no talk of it before. No. I was trying to remember, I'm like, I know she doesn't work at the coffee shop, but she works at something similar to it soon. And I couldn't remember what it was, and yeah, it's the movie theater, because it has a name, doesn't it? Like, um, The Talon. The Talon, okay. Which they actually, like, I, it got to the point where I was just so much, in, where I fell back and let, when I first discovered Smallville, I, uh, let's just say I found other ways, ways around getting the, uh, earlier seasons. But now I've paid for most, for pretty much all of them. And I have, and I bought, and I have the box set. So I've kind of spent more than, what, basically what I'm trying to say is during this period where I was like really into Smallville, like, Smallville, yeah! I bought the the theme, which was in, was from the Talon mix. Wait, so they put like a mix out for the movie theater? No, no, they put out a. It was the soundtrack. It was like a soundtrack for the show. Okay. I mean, like, or music from the show, mainly for the first two seasons, which I imagine probably wouldn't sell much not right now. No, probably because you have a physical media like a CD or something. Oh no, I bought it on iTunes. Oh, okay. But then, yeah, I'm just, I'm talking about stuff. the music that's on the, uh, the album. Oh, okay. And, but going back to the Talon, there's a moment that, that Clark and Lana have where he's still, where he's normal, and they have this nice discussion about, Clark says, or mentioned something about the last of the Jujubees. Oh, yes. And Lana tells this very heartwarming story of how her mother was there watching in Close Encounters, and her father was working the concession when he stands, or working concession when he was still in college. And Clark says, who would walk out on Close Encounters? And Lana says, I don't think she liked aliens, which is probably, which was, or no, not probably, foreshadowing what Clark, the fear that Clark has. If you ever told Lana the truth about him, which which we'll find out later on down the line. Well, they do. They always do a bunch of those things. So I think she even says at one point, like later on, oh, what would you do with those powers? And like, so thinking about like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing to fly? Oh no, I'm talking about the. I think it's the the Freddy Krueger esque episode where it's like where Clark is having nightmares and he's he's at a hospital. Lana's there, and she's she blames him for ki- her parents dying. And then th- it, this is before the second meteor shower. And as 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 he's as Clark is saying re- repeatedly, yelling no, 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 
the meteor shower meteors come raining down and it's it's a very out there scene. Oh yeah, I don't remember this. I guess that's part of the thing of like we'll be watching the shows you get to be because I remember this episode but I didn't remember all the little things. And there's also some another little plot with or the or yeah, a little plot with Lex coming to see Clark while Clark is working on the uh defenses. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, when yeah, Clark is doing it, he's like, what's the He can't lift it, and he's like, I've been bailing hay all day, I can barely lift my arms. And Clark challenge, basically gets offended and challenges him to hit him with the hammer. Yeah, because, and this this starts, this is sort of the downfall of, like, this is starting to sow the seeds of the downfall of Clark and Lex's friendship, because Clark wasn't honest with Lex, and that's that's basically what, that's what Lex didn't like, because he says, Clark, you're my, you're the closest thing, that I, you're the first real friend I've had in a long time. Yeah, it definitely is, like, it's one of those things that they played with, and they tried to copy in Supergirl this past season with Lena, it's like, this idea of being dishonest, and I think it only works with the Reapers a lot, because the way that you build their families around is that, like, they're always dishonest with each other, so, like, that they, like, they... Anytime somebody's dishonest with them, it kind of just blows up any sort of trust they have. Um, but to get back to the episode, there's really not too much left in it. We basically cut back to uh, Eric with his parents. They want to send him off to get some testing done. His mom is scared of him. And basically he throws his dad up against a wall and basically says, like, no one can tell me what to do ever again. No one can tell, like, I can do whatever I want. I can have whoever I want. Yeah, this is, and this is because his father is... First, he wants to see, get some pet medical tests done. Then he wants to take him to see a colleague he knows in Metropolis, basically to try to make money. From what I've seen, make money off his son. Yeah, it's it, it just he was like treating not treating him like a son, but treating him like a test subject. Yes, it's a subject or a guinea pig. Yep. Um, but basically, right off of Eric's words, uh, I can have anyone I want. He goes to the school. With the boom box, that big ass boom box. And he asks out a cute girl who doesn't have a name. Just blonde girl. Yeah, blonde girl. And then Jock boyfriend, I forgot his name already, goes to like, it's like, oh, like, you just did some stunt. And then he just like smacks off and explodes basically a side view mirror of a car. But and then, and then we get this awesome scene of, I don't know if it was CG or not, had to have been. Of him lifting the car up because the, the jock hid under, underneath it. So he then flips the car. Yeah, it was like three times. Yeah, and I was like, man, another episode where they're destroying a car. Yeah, there's like seven cars destroyed in this episode. Yeah. Because like, Clark goes to stop him, and then what happens? He gets, gets, he gets his finishing move done on him, which is shoving someone across a field, and he basically lands and just on top of the roof of a car and gets his shit wrecked. Yeah. Like, it would be hilarious if someone, like, if this were, it was like, it just reminded me of, like, a Friday movie, and someone just would have ran up and said, like, you gotta knock the fuck out. Like, Clark just got laid out. And apparently, when we see him at the doctor, he has, like, some damage, but he doesn't even have a broken bone, which is insane. Well, he has, his ribs are basically hurt. And yeah, but he, and that yet, just is, they're not broken, though, which is insane. Yeah, it, considering the, what the, what that car looked like after Clark landed on it, he, he should be really hurt. Yeah, he has, like, a cut on his head, and then, like, I guess he just has, like, damage to his rib area, but nothing's broken. Even though he basically got, like, put through a car. Yeah. And Lex comes and sees him, and he, they make up because there's part, or Lex sees proof that, or proof for this episode, that there's no way that Clark could have 
survive. Survived if he, if he got, was hit at 60 miles an hour. Which leads to him talking to Roger Dixon again and telling him to just, that like, you know, there's no way, like, I saw that he can be hurt, that this is impossible, and that the kids are off limits, and I'm dropping this old man. Yeah, and what, what happened, which happened first? The Lionel thing, or? The Nixon thing? Um, no, no, the, uh, I know the Nixon Lionel thing happens around the same, like, they're both in the same scene. Oh, uh, at the end? Uh, yeah. I think Roger Nixon's in three scenes. Because I think he tells him to drop it, and that's when Nexus thought the desk. And then at the end is another scene when Nixon comes back with other information and hands him a file. Yeah, and we, and, and you think it'd be about Clark. Yes, but it's not. No, it's about, it's very bad Photoshop of Minor and Victoria. In bed. Like, which I don't even understand. Yeah, why? That. Why? So is it implying that Lionel put Victoria up to the whole thing to test Lex? Or is it that she was playing she both of them? Or she tried to she tried with Lionel and failed, so yeah. then she tried to go go so with that, Lex. Yeah, I'm not sure of the implication. Um, I don't know if they ever cleared up, but like yeah, I couldn't figure out if she tried Lionel and then went to Lex, or if Lionel put her up to the whole thing to test Lex, which I don't think makes any sense. I think what you said that um, she tried Lionel and then him second, so he kind of got his dad sloppy seconds, which is really good. Yeah. It also makes her character very terrible and very bad in 2018, or as I say, problematic. Um, but basically, to go back to the plot, because we really have not that much left, Eric goes back home after this, his mom is scared of him, and his dad is also scared of him and comes at him with a golf club, they call the cops. And Clark comes by later on, and the whole place is just fucking wrecked. It's a war zone. There's a car through the roof of the house. There's a car on, uh, flipped on fire. But this is also after Clark talks with his parents and figures out, like, that no one knows his weakness because his weakness might be mine, which is the meteorite. And he goes and gets past Lana to borrow the necklace. And then he goes there, and this is when the dad tells him he wants to go try to get rid of it, like where it happened. So Clark realizes the bridge. We see the bridge. Eric jumps off of the bridge, and Clark runs around looking for him, and then Eric's just, like, behind him. So did he super speed up there, or did he fly up Because we don't see it. He's just, we hear the sound, and then he's just behind him. I have no idea. Yeah, no. It's got to be a continuity error. Because there's, like, we don't, he falls farther than where Clark is standing at the end. Which also, they're at some sort of small wall, has like a power dam. Like, it's not just like a bridge, it's a dam. Which is, like, I guess there's like a little transformer thing there. Yeah, because in the ensuing fight, or in the, what could, what do you, what do you can call a fight, uh, Eric rips one of the cables out that's sparking. Clark grabs the necklace, and everything goes well again for Clark. Not for Eric, but for Clark. Yeah, and they swap their powers back. Um, there are, like, two things that I forgot. Like, when he goes to get the necklace from Lana, he kind of talks as if he knows that he's going to die, and she definitely picks up on all this. Yeah. Zeke's definitely, if you listen to, like, how he's talking, it's a, I'm going to go to, he's on a suicide mission. Because he basically knows that if he, if he confronts Eric and it goes wrong, he will die. Because basically, that's what's going to happen. Eric is going to kill him. Considering everything that Eric has done prior, it, it's a wise move by Clark. Mm -hmm. And so after the power swap back and everything is fine, Clark goes and sees Lana again. And actually, we didn't mention, but as she said earlier, like, oh, when he didn't have his powers, it looks like the weight of the world is off you. You're less Clark Kentish. And now she's like, oh, it looks like that weight is back on. And he hands her back the necklace in the 
jewelry box that Lex had given him earlier that's lead-lined and hands it to her. And she's like, oh, it's just because you don't want her to wear it. And he's, they reiterate their line from earlier, they're like moving forward, like letting go of the past. And that is the end of this episode. And there was one little subplot we didn't talk about. They only really addressed it in like one scene. And it's the stuff with Whitney and his dad. Yeah, that he has to uh, man the store. Yeah, that basically he's not getting his homework done or his workouts, and he's going to lose his scholarship because of, he has to take care of his dad. Because that um, plays out really soon, I think, in like an episode or two. But that's basically the end of our episode today. Um, did you have a any overall thoughts on the episode that we haven't gone over? I just thought it was a really good episode. And that... This is one of those special episodes where it can be categorized as both filler and story building. Yeah, because you need this episode to get the ending of the Victoria thing, and most of the road, most of the important stuff is the Rex stuff, the Rex, the Whitney, and getting kind of more Lana backstory. All the other stuff, the actual freak is all the filler. It's all like the actual B plot that's important. And how long is it until we get to uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Oh, God, I don't know. Because I, thought, you, I actually did not remember that he was in this until now. Because, so, no, no, because the episode when we were talking about how this character comes back in, I think, season three, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is also there. Oh, God. He's, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is pow- mutant power, not mutant, well, yeah, mutant power. He's basically multiple men. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just a real prick. Well, he's probably still on a home improvement at this time, or just left it, or trying to do movies, one of those things. Yeah, and I'm surprised... Okay, this is going to make me sound like a real asshole, but you know the move where the uh, move where someone grabs, like, palm faces someone and they're trying to move and stuff and they just can't? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised... He, I'm, I, just, I just wonder why Clark didn't do that, or that with both hands, to the, because he can only make one other copy, or one other multiple. You just hold one on either side? Yeah. It would make it... It would just, it would just be a funny scene. I think probably because, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a big enough name at this time, and his shortness was, like, probably something that he didn't want <laughs> exploited because it was always a joke that he, like, never grew. Because he's, like, 5'2 at best, right? Yeah, he got be. Um, but yeah, this was a good episode, and like you said, yeah, it was kind of, it was, like, half filler, half world building, and, like, moving, it was moving, this episode moved all the B-plots, like, season B-plots forward, but not the main plot of the story. Which, I don't even know if there's really, in season one, there's really a main plot for Clark. It's just more like a scene Clark evolved. I guess, like, his main plot is his relationship with Lana. Yeah. Yeah, because there's not really much, like, all the important things of the stuff going on, like, the things that carry over, the stuff going on between Lex and Lionel, and then the overall acknowledgement of what the meteorites are and what they're doing to people. So really the most important plots in this season are the stuff that Chloe's investigating and the stuff with Lex. And then Clark's just kind of like the entertainment factor for the, most of the other stuff, and they're just kind of living through him. There's a uh, quote that between, or there's a exchange between Clark and Martha that I really, that just really sold me on this episode, where it's after he lost his abilities. Clark says, you don't feel any, any differently about me now, do you? And Martha says, Clark, you're our son, whether you can bench press the tractor or not. Yeah, that was good. That kind of goes with when Clark asked Jonathan if they were ever scared of him. 
And he basically says, "Yeah, Clark, your gifts are well. They they're part of you. They don't, but they don't define you." Yeah, and then he kind of tells a story of like, "Oh, well, you know, you threw some tantrums when you were a little kid, but you know, nothing where we were ever like afraid for our lives." Yeah, he he says we had some holes in the walls, but you were a good kid. And when it, and they even mentioned how they even mentioned Eric when Clark says, "I don't think Eric's a bad kid." And Jonathan says, "Oh, neither do I. He's just a teenager who's in way over his head. That's all." Yeah, that's actually my favorite scene of this episode, because Clark then responds, like, you know, his issue is he didn't have my two greatest powers, referring to Jonathan and Martha. Yeah. All right, there's, it's kind of, it's pretty minor, but I still wanted to bring it up, because it just shows how much of, how much being normal means to Clark. The, uh, the, ba- the basketball game with, between him, with him and... MP, Whitney, and Jocka. Yeah, Jocka. And he, he he was missing a lot, a lot of shots, but he didn't care. He, like he, he even gets knocked out knocked down by Whitney, and he and he there's a, like a little grin on his face. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. It's like one of the things is that he I think he says to John, it's like oh, it's the first time like I've been able to play basketball without fear of hurting someone, something like that. The only thing that I didn't like about there's only one real downside of that season. And that's how, uh, or that's, it's how they don't give Eric Johnson much to work with. Like, he's a poorly written character. Is that Whitney? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he, they keep floating him between being, like, asshole jock and then being a sympathetic guy dealing with, like, a horrible family thing. But, like, anytime you sort of feel bad for him, then he's a complete douche. Yeah. Because, like, that was, like, last episode. Like, he was just a complete douche the whole time. But that's the problem sometimes with Lana as well. Like, anytime, like, there are episodes where she's, like, where you're actually like, oh, she's awesome, and then last episode, she's a complete dick before it. Yeah. Oh, you're still going on about that time that Whitney Hunt strung you up in the cornfield? Still absolutely ridiculous that that was said. Um, but yeah, we went over my favorite scene. Did you have any favorite scene, or was it something we already went over? My favorite, my favorite scene had to be, had to have been all the stuff between Lex and Clark. They're What's the word? Yeah, like banter. Yeah, about the about whether or not Clark is telling the truth, whether or not Lex is lying. And my God, this came out of my this episode came out on my birthday like 16 years ago. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, but I think we had mine it was like two ago. I think we talked about that. Um, my worst thing like wasn't there wasn't necessarily a scene that I thought was the worst, but like whoever was the wardrobe person was goddamn. Yeah. Because that jacket. It's a trench coat. Yeah, it's so bad. It's too big. Like, it's way too big on him. It's almost on the floor. Like, I guess what they were going for, it reminded me of, um, oh man, what was that garbage show they made after this with the girl, with the woman, Birds of Prey. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of that trench coat. Hey, they had one, only one good scene in Birds of Prey. And that was where, uh, they're, re- they're doing, they, they, t- they show Oracle's backstory and they, they got Mark Hamill to voice Joker. Oh, I mean, uh, I do remember that Oracle is the one girl from Starship Troopers. Seriously? Yeah, she's not, um, she's not Denise Richards, she's the other one. Uh, Dizzy? Yeah, that's Oracle. Yeah, they, but yeah, they have, they do, which shows how bad this, the, the show is. Yeah. They had a silhouette of someone, of the Joker, and they, and Mark Hamill did the, said the lines, and it's just, and you just hear a gunshot. God, I, I hope we never have to watch Birds of Prey. No, I don't think I can do that to myself. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about from this episode before we uh, just do the stuff with the next episode? 
I was, and I, just, I'm bringing, I'm gonna bring it up again because it just weirded me out. Just uh, those photos of, of Lionel and Victoria just weirded me out. Yeah, they were not good. But, um, I guess we can now preview the next episode, which is Kinetic. So, we'll, let's listen to the preview. On the WB's new Tuesday, an untouchable secret society. It's like they stepped out of the world. Unexplainable in form. You saw what those guys did. It defies every law of physics. They are unstoppable. <laughs> An all-new Smallville. All right, I, this, I did not remember this, but once I heard it, like, all of it came flying through my head, um, remembering this episode and how ridiculous this is, and... Oh, yeah, I, about some about walking, yeah, going to, the, or robbing Lex, hurting Chloe... Yeah. Yeah. Um, they steal a lot, obviously, from X Men in this because the walking through walls is, you know, most famously for Shadowcat. But actually, the tattoo thing, I can't remember. At some point, they did a new mutants where there was a character who was getting, he was, they basically say his powers are whatever he gets a tattoo of, that's his power. I don't remember the character's name, but then you eventually find out that it's not actually him who is the mutant, it's his tattoo artist. Did he, uh, not tell them the guy? He didn't, he didn't figure it, no, like, and neither of them knew it. So, like, if he drew, like, wings, he, the guy could fly, uh, he drew, like, a radiation thing on his hand, so he could, like, shoot radiation out, um, I think, I don't remember, it was, like, towards the end of when I, like, kind of got off of Marvel, but yeah, it was an interesting concept. If, if I was that person, I would just get a, uh, like, Ghostbusters sign, but instead of the ghost, it's a, uh, bullet, so you're bulletproof? Yeah, I think he got, like, um... I can't remember. He did get something where he was, like, kind of tough. I remember if it was, like, bricks or something. It was something simple that, like, made him, um... Yeah, he got, like, a bunch of weird types. Like, they were all, like, you kind of got what they would mean, but, like, how they interpreted them to make a power didn't make sense. So, like, like he didn't get, like, rings off of his back. Like, he just was able to fly once he had rings tattooed on him. Was, did it have to be full size or just? I think they were full size, but like some of his tattoos were like he had like a radiation symbol tattooed on his hand. That's metal. So, yeah, I can't remember what the character's name was. I'll look it up at some other point. They but, uh, did something similar on Misfits, where in, instead of that, is some it, it was a tattoo artist who had the ability, but instead of like uh, there was a, I think it was supposed to be a love interest type of thing, but they never truly took off because Robert Sheehan took left the show in season two, or at the end of season series two. But he likes this girl Kelly who is into who all of a sudden love is in love with a tattoo artist who put you know those heart tattoos where it has a person's name in it? Yes. It's it's that and he the tattoo artist did that to character of Robert Sheehan's character. But instead of Kelly it was Simon, who was played by Ewan Rian from Game of Thrones, mm. a, a.k.a. Ramsey Bolton. And it's gotta be, it, it's, it's some of the be- it's one of the best episodes of the show, because he just randomly makes a reference to, uh, what was that movie with Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger? Oh, um, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, she, Nathan says, it'll be, it'll be like Jeremy, Jerry Maguire. I'll be Tom, he'll be Renee Zellweger, and someone else can be a little specky kid. <laughs> you you seriously have to watch that show. It's on Hulu, all five series. I'll have to check it out now that I'm done with Luke Cage. Um, I did find out the X-Men, I was talking about his ink, which obviously it's his nickname, 
Um, but yeah, so he has the biohazard. I got a wrong tattoo on his hand, which makes people sick. He has. Oh, he uh, was in uh, Days of Future Past. Oh, was he? I didn't see that movie. Yeah, he. I think I actually own it. I don't. I haven't seen it because I got it as a gift. Yeah, he's. He's one of the, like the newer New Mutants. Or who's New Mutants? Who created him? Uh, let me click his wiki. I was on like the X Men like fandom wiki. Um, Guggenheim. Interesting, because. The scene where Stryker tries to take Havoc, Toad, and Ink to uh, Trask Industries, he you see some you see something on his hand, and he makes everyone in there throw up. Yeah, he has like so he has that one. He has. Does he have a t- tattoo like um around his eye or something? Yeah, so he has on his other hand the lines that mimic Colossus's like metal flesh and that make him invulnerable. He has lightning tattoos on his temples that allow him to be psychic. He has wings on his back that can make him fly. He has an explosive symbol on his bicep that can make him blow up objects and punch through walls. He has a tattoous. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like the um, it, it's a symbol that lets him heal people. It's like a doctor symbol. Oh. And, and then he has a phoenix symbol over his eye that lets him use the phoenix source. So he's like super OP. Only with the X Men you get. At least with the Inhumans, they they don't they have. To, not saying I hate them. I don't like the X Men. I do, but I just wish they weren't killing off the Inhumans. Yeah, the X Men are just like too overpowered sometimes. Yeah. Imagine if you had him and Hope Summers, they could just like oh my beat, God. They, they would just beat up of each other. They would wipe out the entire Inhumans. Yeah, I have to catch up. I have to find some books to read uh, while I'm on my flight this week. Okay, listeners, and that was Alan and Lou's rant, or tangent. Yeah. That's the ticket. Tangent. We better trademark uh, that. Yeah. The um, one last thing for this next episode, do you know who is randomly in it before they were famous that's like not even really credited? Who? The Wasp, Evangeline Lily. What? Yeah, she plays like a, her character's name is just Girlfriend. She's like one of the freak's girlfriends. Actually, this doesn't make sense. Have you ever heard of G4? Yeah, yeah, of course. Did you ever hear of a show called Judgment Day? No, I don't remember. Was that one of their, like, scripted shows? No, no, it was from... It ran from 2002 to about 2006 or 2007. It it had Victor Lucas and Tommy Tallarico, and they were reviewing games. Like, they would review tech stuff, and they'd have attractive girls showing off, showing off the uh, gadgets. Evangeline Lilly was on there a bunch of times. Yeah, I just, so she's actually on this and four other episodes as an extra. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so like, I saw that in here and I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so our next episode, we'll have the wasp somewhere running around in the background for five seconds. I guess in this episode, she's probably in it more since she's actually has a name, even though that name is just girlfriend. I guess in the other one, she's just an extra in the background period. But yeah, that's where I guess we'll leave y'all, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Smallville Chronicles. I'm Lou Gonzalez. I'm Alan Muren. This is the podcast stands for truth, justice, and American way. You know how I feel about one purpose.